Hello again, Patriots fans, and welcome on in to episode nine of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great people at SB Nation. I'm Mark Schofield, happy to be with you on Saturday, November 9th, as yet another weekend of football awaits. Well, it's kind of football. Look, if you're here, you're a Patriots fan, and we've got a bye week here. But there's still great football to watch, mostly at the lower level. And we're going to get into that in a second. But each Saturday, Radio Rewind will bring you the best of what the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the course of the past week from all of our shows. From the flagship Pat's Pulpit Podcast with Rich Hill and Alex Shane to Patriot Nation with Pat Lane and Ryan Spagnoli. Our brand new show, Pulpit Playback, revisiting some great moments from Patriots history and the SCO Show with yours truly. In addition... This show will give us a chance to get you caught up with any last-minute news and notes before the weekend gets rolling, and also some cover some college games and even players to scout if you were looking for something to watch on Saturday. And we've got great music to bring you in and out of these shows. That is Hope from Head of Music. You can check them out at headofmusic.com. Now, don't forget, these are just snippets of the shows you'll hear every day on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And you can get these by subscribing to Pat's Pulpit wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave reviews for us as well. Five-star reviews, always appreciated. Also, found out, maybe you're not aware, maybe you are aware. I'm old. I don't know things. If you have a smart device, a Google, or the word that I won't say, because if I say it and you have one, it will then do what I'm going to say. You can just tell it to play Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Boom, it'll pop up. Also, if you listen to TuneIn like I do sometimes, you can find us there too. So you can find the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network wherever you listen to shows. Now this week with the Patriots on a bye, there's no Patriots injury news to get you caught up on. So we can't dive into that. The only interesting league-wide news in terms of injuries is apparently barring setbacks, Patrick Mahomes is going to start against the Tennessee Titans. Mahomes, after Friday's practice, said, quote, We knew how we've been doing the whole process of the injury. I knew I had a chance once I talked to all these doctors, and they said as long as I was functioning well, moving well, that I could play this week. Head coach Andy Reid, quote, Unless something happens here, he'll be the guy that plays. You can go whatever direction you want to go with it. I'm going to see after this practice, but right now, that's what it looks like. Now, If it were me, and it's not, but if it were, you've got Tennessee on the road and then Mexico City to face the Chargers, and then you get a bye. Now, maybe, maybe people are starting to buy into Oakland, perhaps, after their win on Thursday night. Kansas City 6-3, Oakland 5-4 right now. Maybe you do want to keep them at bay, but I don't know. Rushing Patrick Mahomes back for basically two road games, one of, both against teams with losing records, I'm not so sure you rush him back. That's just me. I think if I'm Andy Reid, if I'm Kansas City, I shut him down till after the bye. Because if you look at their schedule, coming out of the bye... You've got these two games now at Tennessee, the Chargers in Mexico City, then you get the bye, then you get the Raiders at home at New England. I'm just not so sure I'd want to rush him back for that. I think you rest him up, you take advantage of this time. Matt Moore's playing well. 
then get them back for that stretch run where you've got Oakland at home at New England, home against Denver at Chicago, home against the Chargers. That's a nice little stretch to work him back in. But what do I know? I'm just a dude sitting on a couch with a microphone in front of his face. But that's the NFL news. we got to focus on the college game right now because every week I talk about some of the games that you want to keep an eye on, some of the players you want to keep an eye on. And I remember after I did last week's show, I was doing some yard work that next Saturday, maybe while you were listening to last week's installment of Radio Rewind. And I was thinking that I needed to have some sort of scale to, you know, sort of rank or grade the slate of games. Because last week's slate, we'll call it, say, a five-rake day. Wasn't the best college slate last week. So if you had yard work to do, you should go and take care of that Saturday. Use that Saturday wisely and do that yard work. So it was a five-rake day. Tomorrow, today, Saturday, it's a one-rake day. If you've got any yard work to do, get it done before noon. Why? We've got some incredible football coming up for us on Saturday, November 9th. And it does get started early. We've got two Big Ten games in that noon hour, which you're going to want to keep an eye on. First is Maryland at number one, Ohio State. And I know Maryland's bad. I'm going to see him in person in a couple weeks. They're not good right now. Chase Young, potentially 101 in next year's draft. Defensive end, tremendous talent. He's now been suspended for this game. And speculation is circling around Columbus that he might be done for the season. After allegedly either going to dinner with an agent or meeting with an agent or some sort of, some interaction with an agent that the university is looking into. That changes this game a little bit. Ohio State is still going to win, but it's worth keeping an eye on. But you'll only want to flip to that game when the next game I'm going to mention is in a commercial break. That's number four, Penn State, at number 17, Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. They are 8-0 right now with a chance to go to 9-0 for the first time since, I think, 1941. This is the biggest game they have played in November in a very long time. TCF Bank Stadium is sold out for this one. I got a chance. I cover the Minnesota Golden Gophers for the Rivals Network, and each week I sort of study their upcoming opponents, so I've studied a ton of Penn State tape over the past couple of days. And there are some guys that can play on Penn State, as you would expect. They're number four in the country. Sophomore wide receiver, redshirt sophomore KJ Hamler is a fantastic talent. They move him all over the place. He's fun to watch. Their tight end, Pat Fryermuth. He's gotten the baby Gronk label. He worked out with Obi Malafonwu this past offseason. He's just a sophomore, a true sophomore. Watch him, number 87. They move him all over the place. They'll line him up in the wing, in the slot, at H-back sometimes. He's a fun player to watch. Defensively for Penn State, I love their linebackers. Their weak side linebacker, Cameron Brown, number 6. Their middle linebacker, Jan Johnson, 36. Micah Parsons, their strong side linebacker, number 11. Those three guys work incredibly well together. They're cohesive. They flow well together. they got some great edges as well. Robert Windsor on the inside, defensive tackle, number 54. He's a quick player on the inside. They love to slant him inside. Has a great swim move, quick first step. There are some players on Penn State, and there are some guys to watch on Minnesota. Defensively, their linebackers are also good. Thomas Barber, Kamal Martin, they're good. Anton Winfield Jr., number 11, is a redshirt sophomore at safety. He's a good player. 
But their two wide receivers, Rashad Bateman, number 13, Tyler Johnson, number six, a senior, they're fantastic players too, especially Tyler Johnson. Bateman might have the higher ceiling because he's only a sophomore right now. Johnson, a senior, he's tremendous. I hope he gets a chance to go down to Mobile for the senior bowl. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he's a fun player to watch. So look, you've got a tie down on Penn State, a wide receiver on Minnesota. That's the noontime game. You're going to want to check that out. Those are just two games in the noontime hour. Then we all know what's coming at 3.30 on CBS. Before I forget, that Ohio State game's on Fox. The Penn State-Minnesota game, that's an ABC game. Both of those noontime kick. Then you get 3.30. It doesn't get bigger than number two at number three, right? LSU at Alabama. The battle for SEC supremacy, the battle for QB1, whatever you want to call this game, it is massive. I've got people that I know are going to this game. The Draft Network, they're going to be down there. Stick to football guys, they're going to be down there. The president's going to be there. I mean, this is the real deal. Burrow, Tua, so many storylines to this one. So if your yard work is going to run late, maybe make sure you get back to at least halftime of the noontime kicks. Don't miss this one. This is a clear the schedule, clear the social calendar. Sorry, I'm, I'm locking myself in the basement for this one. This is a game to watch. So that's at 3.30. Then you get a 4 the game you're going to want to flip to during commercial breaks of that one, Iowa at Wisconsin. And what's interesting about this one is currently in the Big Ten West, you've got Minnesota, believe it or not, with the inside track at getting a chance to go to Indianapolis to take on Ohio State, unless Ohio State falls to Penn State, in that Big Ten championship game. But you've got Iowa there at 3-2 in the, in the conference, and Wisconsin there at 3-2 in the conference. Both trying to chase down Minnesota. And Minnesota, over the next couple of weeks, they go to Iowa, then at Northwestern, and then home their usual rivalry game at the end of the season against Wisconsin. And so Iowa and Wisconsin, both of them still have a shot to chase down Minnesota, but loser of this one, probably done, at least in terms of a Big Ten championship. So this is basically a playoff game. So that's a huge one in the floor, 4 o'clock hour as well. We'd be done. You might think, man, that's it, right? No. We still got some good football left too. You've got Clemson on in primetime at NC State to get a chance to see Trevor Lawrence. You've got Notre Dame at Duke. That's on the ACC network at 7.30 as well. you got Iowa State at Oklahoma, number 9. That's an 8 o'clock kick on Fox. You get a chance to see Jalen Hurts live in action. Also might be there at the Senior Bowl. And so... It's a fantastic day of college football. Like I said, it's a one-rake day. You're not doing a lot of yard work. You're getting it done, getting up and early, get at them, kids, get the yard work done because you want to plop down at noontime on the East Coast and catch some of these games. Now, I said we're going to mention the Senior Bowl because Senior Bowl invites are going out now. You're seeing guys getting the invitations. We got a D2, I think a strong safety that just got an invite only D2 player that's going to be down in Mobile this year. And I bring up the Senior Bowl because of two reasons. One, you want to follow along Jim Nagy, the executive director, the head scout of the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. He's a tremendous presence on Twitter. They've really sort of stepped up their social media game, their accessibility. They're opening up, you know, taking you behind the curtain a bit. They're showing you the players they're scouting. They're showing you the film that they're looking at. They're showing you some of these letters going out and guys getting their invitations. 
So follow Jim Nagy on Twitter. Also, Senior Bowl, draft season, you know we're going to have it covered. Those of you that will be with me through the Locked On Patriots days, you know I'm down there in Mobile, be over the scouting combine. We're going to have the draft covered here, wall-to-wall here at Pat's Pulpit. When we start covering it, well, hopefully it's sometime mid-February, even though the Senior Bowl happens before that. But we'll have the draft covered for you as well, wall-to-wall here at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. So that's the college slate. We're going to talk a little bit about last week with some of the best we had to offer this past week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. That's ahead on Episode 9 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode nine of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. And this was a different week at the Pat's Pulpit podcast for two reasons. First off, Patriots lost a game. So we had to deal with that, of course. And then, as you know, the New England Patriots are on a bye this week. And so didn't have as many shows for you to break down, but we still had some great content out for you this week. But it did kick off on a bit of a down note with episode 36 of the Sco Show, which was a week nine melancholy and the infinite sadness installment our first ever melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the sco show and as you might expect with the patriots losing on sunday night it started off on a down note Here we are, friends. Mark Schofield here with you for our first melancholy and the infinite sadness installment of the Sco Show. Just got done watching the New England Patriots on Sunday night football go down to Baltimore and get blown out. I know it's a 17-point loss, 37-20 to to the Baltimore Ravens, but the game really wasn't that close. We were sort of lulled into a false sense of optimism by some turnovers and some mistakes by Baltimore that let New England get back in the game. And yes, there was a chance for them to take the lead in this game. But in reality, this game really wasn't that close. And as you just heard, there's some different music on Melancholy in the Infinite Sadness installments of the Sco Show. That is The Endless March of Sadness by Unheard Music Concepts. Not our usual disorganized fun that you hear on the everyday installments of the Sco Show or the Glorious Victory installments of the Sco Show. And you might wonder, when you're playing Smashing Pumpkins, aren't you going to at least play Smashing Pumpkins when you're referencing them with melancholy and the infinite sadness? And I used to be able to do that at Locked on Patriots, but i going to play by the rules here under the Vox Media umbrella. So don't have the licensing for it, can't exactly sneak it in. So that is, again... The Endless March of Sadness that you heard there by Unheard Music Concepts. The formats for Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness episodes are a bit different. Usually on a Glorious Victory show, we do the great, the good, and the bad. Hard to do the great, the good, and the bad when you lose. Usually you'll get game balls. No game balls when you lose. Instead, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's a lot in those last two categories. 
Up next was episode 169 of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And in this segment, Alec and Rich talk about the defensive front against Baltimore and the struggles they had in stopping the run and how this game might have been a tale of three quarters. And also how if there's a rematch, it might not go the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to realize it's just kind of a tale of two, maybe three quarters and one quarter. I think the Patriots came out very sloppy and very lethargic, missed a lot of gap assignments in the first couple minutes of this game, and they were down 17 nothing in a flash. And then they kind of tightened up. Uh, they didn't play great. There were still some some areas where they were having trouble containing the running game. That's what you can talk about a little bit. But I think the defense played horribly beyond the first kind of quarter or so. And I also think that had Edelman not fumbled that, that the Patriots were driving down the field, they might have very well won that game. And there's a there's a tweet that was sent out by somebody, maybe Doug Kyed with Nesson, or I forgot exactly who it was. Jeff somebody Howe. pointed it. Jeff Howe, excuse me. Thank you for correcting me. Um, that almost every great defense, the 2000 Ravens, the 85 Bears, the 03 Patriots, the 73 Steelers, all have a game or two where a lousy team hung 30-plus on them. So this isn't some sign of things to come. It was a good team. Getting up for a big game, playing at home at prime time, that delivered. And you got to tip your caps to the Ravens because they deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, if, as you said, if if Julian Edelman did not fumble that against the, the Ravens, the Ravens were talking after the game that they felt like the Patriots' offense was unstoppable. As soon as they went into the no huddle, they were like, we couldn't do anything about it. And so, assuming, you know, best case scenario at that one, Patriots scored a touchdown, they go up you know, 20 to 17 at that point, James White scores again on that next drive. All of a sudden, at the end of this third quarter, if Julian Edelman didn't fumble that and everything else played out the exact same, Patriots are holding a 27-17 lead as they enter the fourth. And that's a whole different game. It's a whole different evaluation and analysis of it. And so the Patriots' defense, sure, they looked awful defending the run, but part of me was wondering if that was slightly their intention, not completely. I mean, you never want to give up 210 yards on the ground. They'll never want to do that intentionally. But the idea of trying to force the Ravens to lead these long extended drives is very much in this Patriots MO. They want to challenge the opposing team to lead 10 plus play drives. And if that means that they're not throwing 60 yard passes to Hollywood Brown, that's fantastic. And if it's forcing them to march down the field with five, six yards at a clip, then they're just going to bank on Lamar Jackson, not completing as many passes. And unfortunately it didn't pay off, uh, Mark Ingram has always been one of the more underrated running backs in the league. He had 115 yards on only 15 carries. Lamar Jackson added 61 yards and two touchdowns of his own. Patriots really struggled. Uh, there was a lot of movement on the offensive line and with the Ravens that forced the Patriots' defensive tackles out of their spots, and it seemed like the linebackers were not in position to take full advantage of it. And so, in my mind, if there's a rematch, it's not going to happen the same way again. I think the Patriots would be far better prepared, but no way around it. Patriots' defensive front looked pretty ugly against the Ravens. We were back with episode 37 of the Sco Show on Thursday, and I opened the show with a discussion about the Patriots' offense and how there might be a glimmer of hope to be found for their second half of the season with one of their drives against Baltimore. And I broke down three plays. You'll hear about one of those in a moment. But they're able to get this ball to Watson on the crosser, working against the middle linebacker sort of in space. And the way they're able to do it is by the play-action movement, the design. And one of the things that I sometimes bat on when it comes to the Patriots and how they conceptualize 
pass protection on play action plays because they pull Joe Tooney, the left guard, to the right edge. And part of the reason you do that is to mess with that linebacker because he's reading interior alignment. And when he sees Karras and Shaq Mason in tandem blocked to the left and Joe Tooney pull, he's thinking this is some sort of you know, power, gap power, counter perhaps, to the right side of the offense, to the linebacker's left. Then to close out the week, Pat and Spags had episode 50, the 5-0 episode of Patriot Nation. And they were joined by Benjamin Solak from the Draft Network, Bleeding Green Nation, and the Kisten Solak Show as we started to turn our sights on Eagles Week. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, but probably Eagles are still bad, you know, like beating up on, on, on a bad Bills offense and 30 mile per hour wins and then beating up on a God awful Bears offense at home. You know, it's uh, right. It, 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 you know, the Eagles executed better coaching staff made adjustments. They're definitely positive takeaways, but we saw resounding issues in the defensive secondary. Uh, we saw resounding issues at the wide receiver position. Those don't just go away in a week. Uh, you know, and signing Jordan Matthews, getting Jalen Mills back from injury, Avante Maddox back from injury, they help, but they yeah. don't. Again, we're kind of putting band-aids on bleeding wounds here a little bit. So for Philadelphia, it, it, it's the formula now with which they won is being a very heavy running team. They run the ball with a ton of success. They're able to put together these long drives. And then uh, being a team that bends but doesn't break in terms of how uh, uh, play some good oh, red zone defense. We're familiar with that. From, from yeah, for sure, right. Yeah, so, so play, yeah. play some good red zone defense, hopefully get you into third and long, and then kind of open the floodgates a little bit. So it, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm ever confident going into a game against the Patriots. I wasn't when the Eagles have been winning games and we're in the Super Bowl. You know, it's New England, it's Belichick. The games the Eagles have won this year have been the games where – whether because of coaching obstinance, Green Bay, or because of uh, offensive limitations, teams could not pass deep down the field to the outside. Yeah. That's not going to be the case uh, against New England, even with a limited wide receiver core, even with Brady being older. I mean, Belichick's not stupid. There's a very clear weakness to this team, uh, and he's not going to avoid it the way the Bears seem to because they didn't trust their quarterback to get down the field the way the Bills couldn't because of the weather. You know, the Eagles have, have won some situational spots, but against Belichick, you, you you expect your weaknesses to be exploited, and the Eagles have some big ones. So I, I want to get the elephant out of the room here because as a Carson Wentz fantasy owner, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed <laughs> in him this year. Yeah. So I want to get your take. I just want to get it out of the way. Did what do you what have you seen from him this year? Because I, I expected you know MVP type season coming off you know obviously falls them going with Wentz you know proving that he is the franchise right. And he's been off a little bit, like you said. I, I know the limitations, the offense has been very very inconsistent at times. But um, did, did they make the right decision? Is Wentz the guy? Yeah, no, he's a good ball player and he's playing good ball. I mean, the 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 reality with Wentz, you know, we like to talk about quarterbacks got to be able to elevate the players around them, right? There's only so much elevating you can get done. Uh, and eventually, at some point, you put the ball on J.J. Arthega-Whiteside's hands on the goal line in a four-point game, and he drops it. Well, you can't go hand and put it to you – know, you can't go hand it to him yourself. You know, somebody's right. got to be able to make a catch. Zero Nelson Wentz. Yeah, Zero Nelson Aguilar. On the Wentz wagon. Right, yeah. Well, the, the reality with Wentz is um, – what the Foles starting in 2017 did for him, and there was the big Philly Voice article, which was all about is he losing the locker room, and yeah. there's been two straight years now of anonymous quotes about you know the offensive balance and who gets which targets. 
Carson, more than most quarterbacks in the league, deals with a lot of politics when he's on the field. And you can tell yeah. when he's pushing. He did it against Chicago on a couple of drives where he he wants to get Nelson Aguilar involved. He wants to get him downfield targets. So he gives him a downfield target where he shouldn't. And it's a pretty right. easy explanation. You know, Carson's typically a, a pretty good post-snap processor, but there are times when he forces the football, and it's pretty frequently because – you know, this is my third down guy. This is my deep ball guy. And I, and I got to get Nelson Aguilar's confidence up. And, you know, I've got to, you know, get Alshon in these one-on-one situations because we know Alshon doesn't like how little he gets targeted on third downs. And so there, he's dealt with a lot of stuff. And the locker room loved Nick Foles because for whatever reason, they were able to pull off three wins with Nick Foles and the most important three wins of franchise history, you know? Right. And right. I, I always bring up the fact that halftime of that Falcons game, Keanu Neal jump kicked the football in midair that he should have intercepted. And it landed in Torrey Smith's hands. The Eagles got three points. They end up winning that game by three. Keanu Neal makes that pick. We're not talking about this. You know, like if there's right. little things that have huge impacts in football games. You build this whole Nick Foles storyline and Carson's still recovering from that. It's very hard to be playing an MVP caliber season, go down and have that entire season hamstrung by your backup winning the Super Bowl. It's really tough psychologically. So he deals with a lot on the field other than just going out there and quarterbacking. Uh, so you can tell that he's pushing. You can tell he's trying to fit uh, narrative sometimes. At the end of the day, not a throw on the field he can't make. He's a fantastic escape artist who makes, regularly makes plays with his legs. So he has all the talent in the world. Uh, he could use a, a healthy receiving core, and he could also use uh, you know, a, a – four game stretch where nobody says anything about him and he just gets to play good ball <laughs> welcome to boston man. great insight there from benjamin solak on with pat and spags and something tells me you're going to hear more from ben and his co-host michael kist from the kist and solak show in the days ahead but folks that will do it for this installment of pat's pulpit radio rewind there's just some of the best that we put together here on a bit of a bye week a bit of a down week not a great week to be a Pats fan, but let's face it. We're going to flip the page now. We're going to look ahead to the Philadelphia Eagles, come off the bye, got a huge stretch run for the New England Patriots, and you know everybody here at Pats Pulpit, including the host of the Pats Pulpit Podcast Network, will have it covered for you wall to wall. Just remember, friends, from the front office to the coaching staff to the advanced scouts to the players, and yes, the hosts of the Pats Pulpit Podcast Network, there are no days off. <laughs>